my career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So there's this little thing that crops up in our community called monogamy or non-monogamy, and then polyamory showed up and everybody kind of said, let's get kind of fun because you know hey gay men all we want to do is have lots and lots of relationships and have sex 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 well guys this is not what this is all about what if you don't want to have a monogamous relationship what if polyamory is your way well how do you handle the jealousy and how do you understand well where does this guy fit into your world and where does your man fit into your world all these questions and I know we've talked about this a little bit in some of the chats we do once a month when we get together and we have our gay men's chats. We've talked about it here on the podcast a little bit. And I don't know why I didn't remember this beautiful person that's getting ready to join me because her and I have done some amazing stuff together at some conferences. And yes, I said her. So guys, don't freak out. We're going to get some mama power in here to talk about this stuff. But my friend Kitty Chamless is somebody that I've enjoyed working with We've done some conference workshops together, and she is the founder of Loving Without Boundaries, and she has a great book called The Jealousy Survival Guide. That steps right into all of this. And yes, she's a heterosexual woman who is in a polyamorous relationship. So I figured, well, what the fuck not? Let's do this, right? Let's really have a candid conversation. This isn't to force any of you boys into doing this. This is like, if you're thinking about this, how can you do this with like a lot of dignity and respect for yourself and the other people in the relationship? So I'm so excited to have you here, Kitty. Glad I'm excited you're here. to be here too. I'm excited to be here too. I would like to add one thing just to be relatable with your audience too. I actually define myself as more hetero flexible or yep. I'm also trying to adopt the word queer in, in uh, I'm 53 years old. So when you and I were growing up, the word queer had a bad rap, yep. um, but, but I am working to adopt that now. So I don't identify as being a hundred percent heterosexual in case that adds some relatability to your yeah. audience. Well, I think that's part of where we start. Like, okay, let's go back to where some of this is like, you can't do this, you can't be this. And anything that's outside of the norm of the, you know, well, Kinsey scale, so to speak, even though I mm -hmm. use the Kinsey scale lots of different ways, like, well, we're all on the spectrum to be quite honest. But when people start to hear about these things, it's like, well, no, here's the black and white. You're either this or this. Mm -hmm. that's where everything gets screwed up in my mind. It's like you, you, nobody is just this or this, even if you think you're only this or this. And um, I know for you, this was one of the things that started really like, hey, you know what? Where do I fit into this whole thing? So give us just a little bit of that background because I really want to like set that tone so that we can then start like really going, well, what are some of the struggles you've had? And what are some of the struggles I've had with like being in this space? So um Absolutely. So you came out of your mama's womb and you said, I'm going to be hetero flexible, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I will keep it to a, a short story, but, but the beginning of it partly is that I went to 12 years of Catholic school. So I definitely was taught a lot of sex negative ideas and 
it was a very challenging way to grow up because I was literally taught to feel guilt and shame uh, almost as a part of my makeup. And I was really taught that there was only one way to be in relationships. And that was one man, one woman in a compulsory Mm -hmm. monogamous relationship where when you have sex, it is to make a child within the bonds of marriage, you know, so that's how I started. And so that sent me down a path of becoming a serial monogamist and unfortunately a serial cheating monogamist, which brought up a lot of guess what guilt and shame and self-loathing. And I, uh, I just found that I had trouble being monogamous for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I started to think, what is wrong with me and why can I not seem to be monogamous? And I just decided to put a stake in the ground and say, this is it. I'm going to be uh, coming from a place of integrity and honesty. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to do my best to do that. It was a bumpy road. And eventually I met the man who is now my husband. And we just had some very honest conversations about deciding that we were going to design our relationship and live our relationship in a way that worked for us, what I call self-determination. And um, even if we were coloring outside of lines of what our friends were doing or society or religion, and uh, we were exclusive for a while, but eventually a friend did recommend a book called The Ethical Slut, (laughs) which is where I first learned the word polyamory. And when I first read it, I just had this big epiphany of, oh my gosh, all these years, I thought there was something horribly wrong with me. And it turns out I'm a polyamorous, heteroflexible woman. I eventually realized living in a monogamous world that didn't really understand mm-hmm. what that was. And that really sent me on a journey that led me all the way to talking to you today. And this has now become my life's work yeah. is helping other people live their most authentic lives in a way that works for them. So that's that's the quick story. <laughs> well, and it is and it's a great story because the, it shows how you can be, quote, hetero and go through these same sex negative ideas and teachings and all that stuff. And sometimes in our own community, in the queer community, I find that it can be really difficult because you think, oh, we're the only ones who feel this. No, there's so many people in the hetero world and I like you, I like to use the hetero flexible because I've coached mm-hmm. some people who I'm like, well, this one is interesting. He came to me to coach with me and he's like, well, I'm not gay. I'm not bi, but I'm dating a guy and that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, so we're not going to put a label on this. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is this interesting pain that we go through. And actually, as you were talking through this, one of the thoughts that came up, there's a book called, um, the velvet rage that I recommend to a lot of my clients mm-hmm. read who are coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about it, his subtitle on that book, so Alan Downs, he's very well-known psychotherapist in that world, is Overcoming the Pain of Growing Up Gay in a Straight Man's World. Mm-hmm. And I was almost wanted to just put Overcoming the Pain of Growing Up Polyamorous in a Heterosexual World, right? I could like, yes. just like, here's the new subtitle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I also recommend Ethical Slut to a lot of my guys. I'm like, guys, it, I know it sounds like it's a woman's book, but trust me, go read it. Go read it, you know? Because there's so many interesting pieces of this puzzle. And I know there will be people who will deny this. And most of them are people who are 
get caught after they've made all these stinks like no i you know the queer people need to be put to that bubble and then guess what they they get caught with their pants down right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what i find interesting is most people if they were truly honest with themselves they're on some form of this sexual spectrum it isn't completely black and white i don't care how much you want to say it is it really isn't so as you work with people Mm-hmm. Do you find that being like one of the starting points? They're like, well, but I, I think I'm this, but I don't know, but I really know I should be this. I bet you hear that I should be this a lot in your work too. I do. I really notice that word should. And yeah. I love that it begins with the letter SH because I often say that should is just one step away from shame. And yes. uh, to, to note that word, because are you shooting all over yourself <laughs> or exactly. are you shooting all over other people? And yes, what I can definitely say is a lot of people who come to me who maybe are questioning how they want to be in relationships or exploring some sort of multiple concurrent relationships, they feel very slut shamed and they feel yeah. a sense of guilt about having that desire to begin with. And a lot of them even feel shame for feeling shame or shame for feeling jealousy or insecurity, which is often just, you know, it's just a byproduct of coloring outside of the lines of any mm-hmm. form of heteronormative monogamy. And it's simply an emotion that we can learn to deal with. So I definitely hear that um, a lot that, that folks are trying to navigate through those feelings of, of shame insecurity and guilt. And it breaks my heart, but it's also why I love what I right. do is to help them look for what's what's blocking them from them owning who they are stepping mm-hmm. into the light and um, whether they first have to do it maybe in the beginning behind closed doors while they are kind of looking at the truth of who they are and really owning it and then yeah. eventually being able to communicate that with the people in their life that they trust and that they love absolutely don't you find it interesting and you brought this up in what you just said so i, I caught something i'm like oh, i hadn't thought about this in a while but I find it interesting that our emotions get shamed. It's one of the first things that start. Okay, so here's who I am. Okay, so this is me. I'm I'm gay. And then suddenly, well, you shouldn't be that. You shouldn't feel that. You shouldn't feel excited. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't feel confused. It's so interesting to see how this all starts to layer in because, yes, it's who you believe you are. So a belief is part of an emotion. Oh, I believe in this or whatever, right? And when I'm working with clients, this is one of the things that I try to help them understand is don't let people even shame your emotions. You have the right to feel joyous. You have the right to feel free. What I find interesting is many Mm -hmm. people who are most adamant against this is they haven't experienced freedom. They truly haven't experienced freedom. Mm -hmm. And this came to light in a podcast I just recorded with a guy by the name of Colby Martin, who's a pastor who's written a book called Unclobbered. And he talks about the passages in the Bible that clobber homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that conversation, he and he's he's stepped away from his evangelical roots and he started mm-hmm. a new church in San Diego and he's very LGBTQ affirming and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. He goes... The first time we decided to march in the San Diego Pride Parade as a church, mm-hmm. it was I'm standing there lined up, ready to go down that parade route. And I'm looking around at all these 
beautiful people. Some of them half dressed, some of them just, you know, normal people. Some were waving flags, some were just like taking it in. And he goes, that was the first time I realized what freedom really looked like. Wow. That's amazing. And I think this is part of why you do the work that you do is because it's a piece of freeing people to being truly who they are. Yes, I couldn't have said it any better than that. It's so beautiful because what I truly believe is that it is a fundamental human right for us to love who we want, how we want, and in a relationship structure that feels good to us, like basically living our most authentic lives. And that's probably, I think, why you and I resonate so much with each mm -hmm. other's work. And sometimes people will ask me, well, are you against monogamy? And so I want to make sure to, to address that, that I just am, I'm for people making a choice that works for them. And to me, choice is freedom. But knowing that you even have the choice is step one. And that's what was interesting about even my story of growing up. Like, I didn't know I had any choices when I right. was a young child. I was being taught very fear-based and scarcity mindset type of type of beliefs. And so for the work that I do, it's partly about freedom, understanding that you get to choose how to live your life and giving yourself permission to do that and having maybe somebody like a coach supporting that journey, reminding you of the greatness and the courage that you have inside of you, and then stepping into the stepping into the truth of that. So I really love how you phrase that. But this freedom, and I love that you say, I'm not against monogamy. I want you to choose what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I'm not against you being heterosexual. Just I want you to be who you are. And not that, I, and I don't think that's a choice. I don't think heterosexual is any more of a choice than being queer or being mm -hmm. bisexual, or being none of this. This is part of who we are. But what I want people to really experience is that piece of finally owning themselves. And mm -hmm. this was a big thing that held me back. And like you, I was cheating. You know, you've heard me talk about this numerous mm -hmm. times. You and I've had this conversation numerous times. And it's not the thing that I enjoyed. I, it may help me. I, in fact, I was just talking to somebody else about this. I said, it helped me survive. And I know that's some people go, that's a cop out. No, it's not a cop out. When you're at your wits in, like, I can't be me. But mm -hmm. when I get to go do this piece of me, I feel whole i feel alive but i didn't want to live that way and even once i got into my current relationship there was the same thing that happened and i realized like you i'm not a one person person so to speak i'm not mm -hmm. in a full-blown poly relationship but we're open we're not monogamous mm -hmm. and i realize this brought peace of mind in so many places for both of us as we worked into it is it easy? <laughs> I don't think you or I, either one, are going to tell anybody that's listening to this that this is easy because there's jealousy is one of the biggest things, you know, and mm -hmm. finding where you fit and where does the, if there is a third person or maybe for in some cases a fourth or fifth or sixth, where does everybody fit into the equation? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you first experienced? Like, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to step away from the cheating, so to speak. I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to be like forthright. Here's where I'm going. What was some of the first stuff you found as like obstacles? <laughs> uh, I would definitely say some of it, it even harkens to what you were talking about was giving myself permission to own who I was, was 
like one of the hardest things to do, partly mm-hmm. because there were so many evidences and references of why I wasn't supposed to be um, identifying as, as polyamorous. And that you said something I want to highlight too about um, it can be, uh, it's some, for some people, it's not a choice. And I want to underscore that. I agree yeah. with you in, in sense that um, some people believe that polyamory is only a choice. And like you, in terms of when we're talking about our identities, I also believe it can be an orientation. So I think that was also what was challenging was me coming to terms and grips with that I felt like being identifying as a polyamorous and in my case, heteroflexible woman was who I was at my core and, and that I orient towards that and that trying to go against that was like trying to fight upstream or as Byron mm. Katie often says that sometimes suffering is when we're fighting against reality. So it was also me accepting myself and accepting that it was partly a, a self-expression to realize that I both had the capacity and the desire and the ability to love more than one person at a time. Um, and also that to not slut shame myself, you know, to really live in a, right. in a sex positive way instead of in a sex negative way in a lot of ways, the way I taught or saw around me. So I think the hardest part was just owning it and then having the courage to be able to speak it. And it was a little easier to speak it to my close, my close loved ones who I felt would already love and accept me. But I will tell you, and I know you know this uh, firsthand from some of our talks, that another of the biggest challenges was coming to grips with telling the people that I was worried were going to judge me or were going to um, shame me in some way. And I did lose some friends. I lost mm. a few friends along the way. And so that was really hard and it still breaks my heart to this day. So those are definitely some of the struggles besides yeah. some of the normal things like, like jealousy and, and uh, gaining your confidence along that journey to battle any type of insecurity that, that comes along the way. Um, so yeah, I would say those are some of the biggest ones. It was the same thing for me. My jealousy was, it was a toughie. And even at times it still can show up at times, you know, mm-hmm. but I also realized for me, and I love that you use the word, this is my reality. Mm. Now I'm a man of a certain age now, so <laughs> my sex drive isn't quite what it used to be, but it's kind of interesting because I've seen my sex drive shift to my friendship drive. Like my connection drive has shifted, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it was really hard for me at first because, and I know it was because of where I came from. It was really mm-hmm. easy for me to go, Hey, I'm quote cheating. So nobody knows about this, right? So I'm getting my cake and eating it too, so to speak. But as mm-hmm. I ate that cake, I hated the taste of the cake after something would happen, right? Mm. Even in those moments when I like the few moments that I had when I was, you know, with my wife, that I didn't go just for the hookup, when it'd be like, I'm just gonna go meet this guy. And like, hey, let's see if we can get to know because I got to a point where I'm like, Okay, well, what if I just had a guy? What if it was just another guy that was in a similar situation to me? He's hiding in the closet, trying to figure this stuff out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would meet guys and and kind of literally like, let's see if there's a match here. Because maybe let's let's stop, just let's go get off and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Even in those moments, I had that, ooh, this doesn't feel quite right. Because now I'm trying to create something that she still didn't know about, Right. But then as other stuff started to happen in my world, I'm like, no, this is who I am. And I used to use the thing, the saying, which I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. It's just sex. It's just sex. 
And I realized how damaging that was to me because then that was how I started to see things until the first time I was like, wait, there's something else going on here with me and my husband. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, the jealousy, you know, and my dad is a very jealous person. So, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> DNA is there, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to really see this in a much different light. And that's when I realized um, I need to do something different. I need to be more honest. And if I can make that happen in the way that can be upright in integrity, there's going to be some pain. Mm hmm but in that pain, there's going to be power too. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love the way you said that. Yeah. A couple uh, things I'd love to share. One thing that really helped me was the quote that it's better to be at war with the entire world than to be mm -hmm. at war with your, your inner self. And we talked about freedom earlier. That concept gave me such a sense of freedom to own who I was and to stop the kind of internal war that was going on once I realized that. And another quote, and I, I think you'll know this one because it's from um, World Domination Summit where we've, we've been right. to together, is from Jonathan Fields, which is, it's better to be, uh, you need to be unapologetically you before you can be unapologetically joyful. I always love that. Mm -hmm. So just again, like that idea of just really getting clear from a place of self-understanding and self-acceptance and empathy to get clear about who you are and what's actually going to make you feel fulfilled and learning how to let go of the shame and the guilt around what that looks like and then honor your values. And so for me, it was partly about what are my values? And I started to realize that I really valued integrity and honesty and transparency including honesty with myself, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and that was some of the magic and what really started the ball rolling down the mountain. Yeah. And it's such an honor to, to help people who are on a similar journey like that. But why do you think most people don't give themselves permission to even go explore? This is my truth. They really hold themselves back. I'm curious what, you, what how you look at that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is, the worrying about what I think it's a few things. One is worrying about what other people think. And uh, a lot of the work that I do is helping people understand when they're, they're not being the best version of themselves, which I think is when we are worrying about what other people's ideas are about us. And I often say that what other people think about us is actually none of our business, <laughs> right? It's really important for us to care about our own values and the people that, that we care about. I always loved a, a thing from Brene Brown where she says that um, to put the people whose opinions really matter to you on a one inch by one inch square, you know, and to honor those people that, that you really trust and who have earned your trust. So I would say that's one thing. And then the other is, is simply we are born in a in a sex negative world where we are simply taught a lot about um, heteronormative monogamy as the norm and that that's natural and normal and the way we're supposed to be but what's really interesting and I'll share a few stats with you that consensual non-monogamy is actually more common than we might think 
there's a statistic from recent research that one out of eight say that some form of consensual non-monogamy is their ideal relationship. And about one out of five people have engaged in some form of consensual non-monogamy at some point during their life. Mm -hmm. So that's actually about 20% of people, which is as common as owning a cat, right? In, in a household. And so I think the third reason- Oh, great. Is, so now, now yeah, everybody's going to go, if I'm being non-monogamous, I'm owning a cat too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I now everybody's going to look at, oh, cat owners. Hmm, we know what's going on in your world. No, that's funny. And to be fair, I am a cat owner, but. <laughs> uh, hello, I was too. So, oh, we're kind of proving the point now. That's, that's uh, it's like, okay, dog owners. I guess you just thought y'all are just going to stay in your little hetero boxes. You're going to be, but not, you know, no, I know. That's not true either, so. Okay, well, quit beating up the animals. But uh, that's right. No, no, that's an interesting stat. I love how mm -hmm. you put that together because, wow. I didn't, I would have never thought that number was, I mean, I knew it was somewhat significant, but uh, mm -hmm. okay. So you got that stat. Now I'm going, <laughs> what else she got up her sleeve? Well, and the, the third thing I think is what we were talking about earlier. Like if it's that common, why right. are people feeling so stigmatized and ridiculed? And a lot of that I think is because people are in the closet and not talking about it, which is partly why I have a podcast, you know, and right. I, I do Facebook lives and things like that is to help normalize the conversation. And I think that is happening more and more. And so I really honor you having me here today to help do exactly that, to just normalize the conversation around mm -hmm. people living the way they want to live, loving who they want to love and doing it in a relationship structure that works for them. Yeah. Well, the normalizing is a big piece. Mm -hmm. It's like a huge piece of this equation. I know when I was in the closet, like, oh my gosh, can, really? I, I can't do this. This is so abnormal. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's what I, okay. So you were raised good Catholic girl. I was raised a seventh day Adventist boy. And I'm like, all I heard was you're going to hell and this isn't normal. You're abnormal. You know, you need to get on your knees and pray the gay away, blah, 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 blah. Right. The best way I could be in the world. And, you know, again, I don't, a few people have heard me say this on this podcast. I've said it on life on closet podcast numerous times, but if somebody had told me back in 1999, as I finally stepped forward to say, yep, I am going to live in my truth, in my reality that this would have turned into being my life's work. I would have said, you're a fucking crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. But as I started to realize, okay, this is where I'm being guided. One of the key elements in my mind was how can I help normalize that we're just people too. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I do it all the time online, sometimes in responses. I don't get into too many fights these days online. I'm like, it's just forget it. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not worth it. But Mm -hmm. One of the things that I said once that was probably the biggest moment of my initial like, oh, this is who I am was when I mm -hmm. was working. I went to my daughter's elementary school because I was I was I wasn't stay at home daddy, but kind of I, I ran a business from home so I could do stuff at school and help, you know, in the classrooms and stuff. And I'm like, hey, this will be fun. Right. And I remember walking in one of the first times I w was helping and there was like these center pods in the schoolroom. So like there were three or four classrooms or I think it was actually five classrooms. But in the middle of the classroom, there was like a pod that was where all the stuff happened that, you know, all of us parents could come in there and help build stuff, work with stuff. And then, you know, the teachers come in and grab whatever we're working on and go take it into the classroom. 
So first time I walked in, it's me and all the moms, right? I'm like, oh, this will be interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the moms said, oh, we're so glad to have you here. Are, are, are you off for the day? I said, no, I work from home. Oh, that's cool. Well, what does your wife do? Well, my husband does this. And I'm like, oh, there we go. There we go. And I thought, this is how you normalize. This is how you just, it, it becomes just part of normal conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Kitty, the thing that was so interesting in that moment was they're like, oh, that's cool. Of course, then I, I find out later that after I left that day, one of the moms is like, we have a gay dad. We have a gay dad. <laughs> well, hey, that's a positive response. It is a positive thing. Like, yeah. of course, then they went to like the stereo. I bet he's fabulous at helping us put the musicals and everything together. I'm like, well, yes, <laughs> thank you. But um, it was just, it was like, OK, I didn't make a thing out of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes, yes, I know there's going to be people who make a thing out of it, even if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I actually, I remember the first time I met your husband at WDS. And I was like, well, this is going to be kind of interesting because the first time you and I, he wasn't there the first time you and I did stuff together. I'm like, well, okay. And I even had like some weird trepidation, like, well, okay, how do I, how do I, and I'm like, Rick, what the fuck are you doing? You just, <laughs> it, it, it's just her husband, you know? And I'm like, uh-huh. It's interesting to see your own head do this. That's stuff adorable. You, yeah. Thanks for sharing you know? that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was interesting to see myself walk through that. But then I see this now and clients who are like, okay, but how do I let people know I'm doing this? I'm like, well, first of all, why do you feel compelled to let people know this is what you're doing? You know, what's, what's, what's behind why you feel compelled to have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I finally learned, and I think you've learned too, is we're just living our lives. Exactly. We're just living our lives. And when the moments come that it comes time to like share something, you know, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I think too many people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like, okay, I'm in a polyamorous relationship where I'm exploring that. Everybody needs to know. In fact, this, I think this will set us up to like continue where I'm going. I'm actually doing a coming out workshop with a friend of mine who is a burlesque dancer mm. and she's amazing. She's like, she does shows all over the place. She does a burlesque, she has burlesque classes that she teaches online and in person and all this sort of stuff. And she came to me and she said, Rick, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I think you'd be the perfect guys to talk to my people in my class. I'm like, I am not, do you see this body? I am not a burlesque <laughs> dancer, honey. I mean, I could try, but there's going to be, it's going to take a corset and a half to get me to look like you do. She mm-hmm. goes, no, no. She goes, what's interesting is so many of my people are, they're afraid to tell people what they're doing. And she goes, I think you'd be the perfect guy. Like, do you think you could do something about coming out about being in burlesque or being a pro? I said, well, of course I can, because it's the same stuff. Exactly. The same stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I said to her too, I said, the first thing we got to do is really get underneath all of this. And help them answer the question, why is this important for you to share? Not saying not to, but I think when you can stand solidly on this, and I remember when you and I were first having conversations, we were both kind of like, okay, well, we're actually going public with this stuff, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I remember that first WDS that we did our workshop and we're like, yes, we're both kind of like, okay, how are we doing this? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was exciting. It was exciting. Yeah. But, but now... I, I mean, that's been six, seven years ago, at least. Gosh, I can see I how <laughs> much we both have grown into, like we're owning, not only, we, we already were owning who we were, but yes, we're really owning that we want to normalize all mm-hmm. of this. 
So as you've normalized this, mm -hmm. what kind of backlash have you gotten? Because I get it all the time. Yeah, I, what's been interesting is in the very beginning when I started my blog, I was almost surprised at the lack of backlash that I got. But I think it was partly because who knows, maybe people weren't online as much as that at that time, or I wasn't as popular, you know, people weren't really seeing it. But yeah, the more, um, the more I kept deepening my resolve in this work and using a bigger microphone. Yeah. yeah I mean, I definitely have had a lot of haters online um a lot of people certainly from a religious framework um, yep. telling me that i'm a, a whore and an adulteress so i I'm, I'm very used to being called that right and i also just simply honor where they are at right and it doesn't mean that they're wrong they have their belief system i have my belief system and I had to work through my own stuff around not letting what other people say about my intentions or my work, like to not personalize that and to really just not make it about me, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but, but it's been such a great growth journey and I honor that. So I, in some ways I love those challenges that come up because it makes me a better coach. It makes yep. me have some more confidence and even resolve in my mission because it is about, um, having the conversation and there is that whole adage about, you know, even bad press is still press. So right. even if you're getting backlash, people are talking which yep. thereby is normalizing the conversation. <laughs> exactly. It is. At least they're talking, right? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, you brought it up already, but, you know, kind of going to one of the four agreements in Don Miguel's book, it, Don Miguel Ruiz, mm -hmm. is don't take anything personally. And that was a tough, I mean, I, I could get it intellectually. And then when, you know, when people are like, this book sucks, or you're an asshole, or you're going to hell. <laughs> I also, because of my, my wonderful father have the DNA of I'm a freaking fighter. Like, okay, really? Let's go. Let's mm -hmm, go. Right. Mm -hmm. I've learned to quell that a lot. Like, ah, it's, you know, it's yeah, great. In fact, actually th this is an interesting, since we have the WDS connection, I, yes. there's a story when I was, so when I was on stage that year, mm. you know, I put, I laid it out on, I laid it out for that 10, 15 minutes I was on stage and that, it, it all was out there for everybody to see. And I actually had somebody come up to me and say, I can't believe you're a cheater. I thought so much more of you than that. Wow. Now, I'm so glad that I had grown into a space where I could take something like that. Mm -hmm. Because what I said back to that person is, you know what? You're right. And that's why I share what happened for me so that I can help other people realize they don't have to live in a cheating state of mind. Exactly. And I would turn around and walked away. Mm -hmm. I felt so good about not like, fuck you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is good where the old Rick would have gone in a heartbeat. Like, fuck you. Yeah. I, I gave you so much more. And that's the one thing you took away from that. I mean, I could have seen myself doing that. And so that blessing of like being in that space where you can go, okay, let's normalize this. Let's not take things personally, but also being willing to go. I'm not grandstanding this. I am putting stuff out there to help anyone at this point. I don't mm -hmm. care at this. I mean, I would love it if at some point, I, I think I shared this with you early on when we got to know each other. I would love the day I never have to do this work again. I would love it because then the world would be healed, so to speak. You mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is like, like, okay, we're hearing you guys, we're doing this, but I'm petrified 
to even bring this up, what's a piece of advice you'd give them other than go read Kitty's book? Please go <laughs> go read it. <laughs> Uh, and go read the ethical slut too. I mean, I think those are those are two companion books. I read both of them, and you'll kind of get your, you know, you get your mojo on around this. But what's mm-hmm. something that if somebody's really just like, okay, I think I need to start exploring how I talk about this. What would be something you would share with them? That's a great question. I would say first, don't don't go it alone. There is a power in community. So I would say reach out, certainly do some research, read, that's wonderful, but find some communities. There are online communities such as mine on Facebook, which is simply a private Facebook, Loving Without Boundaries, but any other communities, or do you know any people who are practicing some form of consensual non-monogamy or polyamory, but you may not know them in your everyday life. That's why finding a community can help or possibly work with a coach or a mentor to explore some of your feelings and really get clear about what your value system is, Are you ready to start having that conversation with your loved ones? Is this a choice for you or is it more of an orientation for you so that you can be doing some of that legwork in internal work yourself so that when you do have a conversation with a loved one, you are standing on the shoulders of that work, you know, that work Mm -hmm. of understanding what your values are, getting really clear so that you are coming from a place of of self-love and acceptance and also honoring the person that you may be wanting to have that conversation with so that you can also have the energy and the bandwidth to have some empathy for how that conversation may land for them because they may be shocked. You know, they may have a reaction. So just like you with that story of WDS uh, with the person speaking to you after you're on stage, like you had already done the work to be able to handle whatever reaction was going to come. So I would say um, finding some like-minded individuals and some support to help you navigate that internal work so that you are prepared to have that conversation and handle whatever happens next to the best of your ability. Yeah. Finding, find your circle of support. That is so Mm -hmm. huge, you know, and every one of us, I mean, it's interesting how we as humans do this all the time. We find our circles of support in so many areas but we don't consciously think about it a lot of times. It's like, okay, well, like, okay, WDS is a great is a great example of it. I believe the reason WDS was such a beautiful experience all those years was because it was very much like-minded people. The energy was, you know, there were some people that like, okay, they come one year and like, this isn't for me. That's going to happen mm-hmm. in anything. But the core of that whole experience was everybody was like-minded. There was a there was this synergy of we know these are we we are with our people. Mm-hmm. This happens daily, but then suddenly something comes up like, well, I'm exploring my sexuality, or I may want to have you know a non-monogamous relationship, or I may kind of start embracing that I'm queer, or I may decide that I don't I I don't want to be married. I'm gonna you know, and suddenly it's like how do I do this? Mm-hmm. The same way you've done everything else. You find your circle of support as a exactly. starting point. And I think that's why I know I personally wanted to have you on this podcast because there's a lot of guys in my gay male community who are either trying to move from being ethical sluts or non-ethical sluts, so to speak, mm-hmm. into relationships or they're in relationships and they're like, I want something more, but the negative, 
vibes they get off of our own community at times is like, mm. then you're just a slut. You don't mm. really want a relationship. But that's not always the case. You do want a relationship, but you also desire other stuff. And it may not be just, I, I'm a firm believer is one person cannot fulfill everything. And anybody who comes to me like, I'm just looking for that one guy to give me everything. I'm like, bitch, wake the fuck up because that ain't <laughs> happening. It is. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm at the age where I'm like, I'm 59. I can say that to you because I've been through this. So trust me. But um, mm -hmm. I think it is an interesting space that you and I are so blessed to play in to like continue to open eyes, mm -hmm. help people see you're not alone, number one. And the best starting point is find your circle, whatever Absolutely. that looks like. So mm -hmm. beautiful. Okay. So we've solved the world's problems on this. What should we Woo! go tackle? What should we go tackle next? <laughs> uh, well, what do you have coming? I know you run some groups, you run some stuff that, you know, you do a lot on your programs. Is there anything you want to share with our listeners that, hey, if they wanted to participate in something, something they could look out for in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. I am actually going to be speaking at a, um, at a, a very kind of small group gathering that's called Open Love Experience in, that's mid-October. So it's openloveexperience.com. Cool. And if anyone's interested, I can give you a discount code that they can have for that, uh, that experience. It's going to be a three night, four day, uh, people who are really interested in relationships and living their most authentic lives. So awesome. there's that. Yep. Um, there's uh, my website at lovingwithoutboundaries.com. That's where you can find my blog. So I'm always putting out content there to support people. You notice guys, she, you notice guys, she says she's always putting out. So let's just go there. Let's just, <laughs> let's just take it off the rails. That's we wrap everything up. I can't, You're you know awesome. me, Kat, Kitty. I can't resist. I can't resist when I hear something like, oh, of course, putting it out. Putting it out. Kitty's putting of course. it out. I love it. So. Yep. And then there's the the podcast of the same name, Loving Without Boundaries, where you have been on. You were one of my first yeah. episodes, which I'm yeah. always grateful for. I was one of the virgins. I was one of the virgin podcast people for that one. So you uh, were. Yeah. And then, like I said, when you go to my website, you'll find access to my my free online Facebook community, too. So it's simply called um, Loving Without Boundaries, Healthy Lifestyle Freedoms and and uh, Healthy Open Relationships, because I'm not allowed to say sex positivity on Facebook. Right, right. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of ways to get support. And it just like you said, it is my absolute honor and privilege to help people mm -hmm. living their most authentic lives in a way that works for them. And Excellent. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. All right. So if you, any of you want to attend that um, event she's got coming up, we will get you a way to connect with Kitty or put the discount code on her um, webpage when it comes up. It's going to be really close though, because that we're, this air is like a week before that. Is it virtual or is it live and in person? It is live and in person. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, but that's okay. I mean, also when they go to my website, if I have any other upcoming events, it yeah, will just yeah, be listed definitely. there, so they can always see what else is. Well, but on. you know what I'll do? I'll pre-promote this thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have Kitty get me the code so I can promote it in my group, saying, "Hey, if you're thinking about a monogamy thing or polyamorous or whatever, and you're struggling, I have a guest who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks." She's going to be talking about this, but she's got an event. We'll make this work. We'll get it. We'll get it promoted out there ahead of time. So sounds uh, good. And there's also, cool. well, one actually, I'll just, I'll just like slut you out. I'm just going to slut you out <laughs> for your event and we'll just go there. So <laughs> that uh, sounds good. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks so much again. I wish I could hug you. I miss you. I glad you're here and glad you're continuing to do what you do. So um, keep it up. Thanks so much for being a guest and guys, Hey, 
take this in. If you're playing around in your mind, I'm not talking about playing around boys, but well, you can do that too. But if you're playing around in your mind that maybe I need to do something slightly different, take this to heart. You're not alone. And we're both here to help you figure out where you're heading and why you might just want to move forward with where you're going. Have a good week, everybody. Take care. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.